0: Let's pray together before we dive in. Lord, I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would come and empower me now to speak your word. Come empower each one of us. Open our minds to the scriptures as you did the first disciples so that we might hear and understand. Speak, O Lord, your servants are listening. Amen. Brothers and sisters, I can think of no more pressing question today than what is the church? Personally, thinking about the church is a passion of my life. That's why I became a pastor. Uh, But this this pandemic has made this question all the more important to me uh, and to each one of us. Uh, Because over the last, over a year now, uh, churches have been turned upside down. Uh, Gatherings have been turned upside down. People haven't been able to meet in person at times. And there may have been times over the past year and a half, you might have asked yourself, and do I do I really have community? Do I have friends? Do I have support from Christian brothers and sisters? And if those things were somehow lacking in your life, I believe the pandemic probably revealed that. And I know of many other brothers and sisters where that was the case. And churches that never live streamed before, like smaller churches like ours, we started live streaming, we're glad to be able to offer that. And we can now worship from home from in the comfort of our pajamas and that's great but i think we have to ask well what does that mean though going forward what does that mean for us you know jesus did not tell us to go watch a worship service on the weekend you know and i believe that the lord wants so much more for his church and i believe if 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 we can be aligned to the head of the church, Jesus Christ, if we can be aligned to his goals and purposes for us, then we can be more of the church we all long for us to be. To actually be the church, as I charge us to do every week, to go be the church. But in order to be the church, we have to understand what is the church? What is the church? And I I can think of no better book to address these questions than the book of Acts. Let's go back to the beginning. Let's go back to the foundation. How was this all started? How did the church form communities that transformed the world and turned it upside down? These are some of the things that we will look at uh, as we go through the book of Acts over the next 28 weeks. Yes, 28 weeks. I said that you heard that right. This will be the longest sermon series I've ever done. But friends, I believe it will be worth it. And my prayer is that by the end, we will answer some of these questions and we will be at better be able to live into our call to go be the church. Are you with me? All right, let's do it. Let's dive in. All right, Acts chapter one, you can turn your Bibles with me, uh, open up to the very beginning. And since we're just starting this series, let me give you a little bit of introductory info about the book. It was written by a man named Luke. He was a doctor. He was a close friend of the Apostle Paul. In fact, he was, he was in prison with Paul in his last imprisonment. He was a Gentile, and he wrote Acts as the second volume of a two-work series. If You can guess, the first volume was Luke, of course. Good, we're on track. The Gospel of Luke was the first volume. Acts was the sequel, and he, he addresses these books to a, a man named Theophilus. Uh, we don't know um, uh, much about who he is, but Luke says at the very beginning, that his goal, his intent was to write an orderly account of all that's been of all that's happened, of all the eyewitnesses' accounts, all the traditions that have been being passed on. And essentially Luke is saying, listen, pay attention, because this is what really happened. This is how this whole thing got started. This is exactly what Jesus set out to do. And so he writes the whole story of Jesus in the book of Luke and he ends that story uh, with the ascension of Jesus. And so the second volume picks up right where Luke left off. And I want you to notice how the ascension is the defining moment between his two volumes. I believe that's intentional. And he says at the very beginning in verse one, chapter one, verse one, in my former book, Gospel of Luke, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. I like how he says, began. The gospel of Luke is all about what Jesus began to do and to teach. So the book of Acts will be all about what Jesus will continue to do and teach through the church. The book of Luke is all that Jesus did upon the earth. The book of Acts is all that he will continue to do from heaven. Now, as uh, Elian and Wendy helped us understand, the, the traditional name for the book of Acts is the Acts of the Apostles. Uh, but that leaves the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit out of it. Uh, probably not a great, a great name. Um, and some would say, you know, it should be called, like we said this morning, the Acts of the Holy Spirit. And I, I think that is also a good name. Uh, but Luke himself seems to also indicate here, if I was to massage the title a little bit further, he says this whole thing has been started by Jesus and is going to be continued by Jesus. So I titled my sermon this morning, The Acts of Jesus Continued. Now, that's pretty concise, but really a proper title, if we were to try to include all these things that are going on, would be something like this. The Acts of Jesus Continued Through the Spirit-Empowered Church. That's what the book of Acts is all about. It's the Acts of Jesus Continued Through His Spirit-Empowered Church. And so I wanna make a few points about this from our text this morning, and the first is this is that Jesus continues his kingdom work through the church. He's continuing his kingdom work through the church. His birth, his life, his his death, his resurrection, and especially his ascension when he he goes to heaven. These are not the end of the story. Jesus is just getting started. He was just getting started, and there's still more work to be done. And we see Jesus preparing his apostles uh, for his ascension, and he says, Luke says that Jesus was giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles that he had chosen. And all throughout Luke's gospel, you will see the Holy Spirit uh, empowering Jesus for all that he did. The Spirit coming on at his, at his baptism, empowering his ministry. In fact, I gave a whole sermon on this subject called "The Spirit-Filled Life of Jesus" back in May 12th of 2019. So, I invite you to check that out if you want some more information on that. But here, Luke has Jesus again giving instructions through the Holy Spirit. And in just a short while, we will see the disciples teaching and giving instructions through the Holy Spirit as well. They will continue to do and to teach what Jesus taught by the same Holy Spirit. Then in verse 3, it says, After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, 40 days, that should be immediately intriguing to us. That reminds us of Moses and Elijah on the mountain with God. Uh, But biblical scholar John Pohill says, Most of all, it evokes the period of Jesus's temptation in the wilderness. Just as it was a time when Jesus prepared for his ministry, so for 40 days, the risen Jesus prepared his followers for theirs. 40 days, a time of preparation for the mission. And over these 40 days, Luke said, he's speaking about the kingdom of God. This was Jesus' favorite subject in his ministry, his favorite theme. That's what he came to do, to inaugurate the kingdom of God through his life, death, resurrection, and ascension. He was just getting started. And he taught his kingdom people to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. The kingdom will be the people submitted to the king who carry out his will upon the earth, bringing the life and power of heaven to earth. That's what Jesus is doing in the earth. And the disciples will be sent out because Jesus wants to see this continue. And then in verses four through five, it says, on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem. And I like that Jesus was always eating with people. We saw that in the Gospel of Luke. He was constantly at the table with his disciples and others. This was a sign of Jesus' welcome, hospitality, and love. Bible, uh, biblical scholar Craig Keener says, This final meal would provide continuity between Jesus' ministry that preceded and the church's life that will follow. And so we have seen that Jesus was just getting started in the gospels and I want you to notice this continuity here friends. Here he is speaking by the spirit. His church is going to speak by the spirit. Here he is proclaiming that he was alive. His church will proclaim that he was alive. Here he is preparing in the wilderness for 40 days of ministry in the Gospels. He took 40 days now to prepare the church. He spoke about the kingdom of God. His church will speak about the kingdom of God and invite people into it. He ate with his disciples. The church will be marked by table fellowship and hospitality. Do you see how Jesus is arranging things to continue what he started in the Gospels through the church? But you might be wondering, is it really true? that it's Jesus who is continuing what he started. Uh, Or or is it really the church? You know, Jesus is in heaven now. You know, and I was trying to think of an analogy that would somehow make sense of this topic. And the first thing that came to my mind was I I thought about, you know, a relay race. You know, because many of you know I was a runner. So I was thinking about track and I was thinking about somebody, you know, handing the baton off to the next person. And I immediately thought, after I thought about this illustration, that that's exactly wrong. That is not what's going on. It's not that Jesus is now handing off the baton and I'm gone. That is not what is going on at all. Let me explain. Here's point number two. Jesus continues to guide and empower the church from heaven. He continues to guide and empower his church from heaven. You know, today is Ascension Sunday, and our text references the time when Jesus was taken up to heaven. As it says elsewhere in scripture, he is now seated at the right hand of the Father. You know, and Jesus did not abandon us when he went to heaven. He did not stop his kingdom work. He did not just pass the baton off and say, I'm out. You know, and I think we're tempted to not think of Jesus maybe as directly involved uh, or active today because we cannot see him visibly. And And we imagine that heaven is somehow maybe up there or heaven is in the future when we die and heaven is somewhere else. But heaven, friends, is right now. It's a present reality in the universe. That kingdom come, that will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's going on right now. It's the spiritual dimension of our world. And uh, instead of thinking of a baton that's now being passed to the church, I want you to think instead of the analogy of the stage. And I think I may have gotten this from N.T. Wright at one point, but I can't remember. But if you think of the world is, it's happening on a stage, right? And all of the action is happening on the stage. And Jesus came onto the stage. He was born on the stage. He lived, he died, he rose again, and he ascended. And when he ascended, it's like he went behind the curtain. Now, I have, I've never been an actor, uh, but even a person like myself, who's not involved, we have many people here involved in the acting world, drama world, but even a person like myself, I know, that what happens behind the curtain is affecting everything else that's going on stage. You know, the people behind the curtain, they're, they're adjusting the sound levels. They're adjusting the lights. They're getting the props ready. They're making sure the costumes are changed. They are directing the affairs of what's going on behind, uh, behind the curtain. Just like you're watching this live stream right now at home, you don't see Adam Reimers and Tiersa right there, but there they are, making sure that the service is in your living room right now. You see, friends, in the same way, Jesus, in his ascension, he's gone behind the curtain of the world. And you can't see him because he's behind the curtain, but he is there. He he is active. He is alive. He is directing affairs and working all things out for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. And you'll see throughout the whole book of Acts that a lot of terrible things happen because people on the stage are still doing things. There's things on the stage still happening, but somehow we're going to see that King Jesus is working everything out for his kingdom purposes. You will see violence happen. You will see persecution happen. You will see Christians killed for their faith. This is what they tried to do. They tried to persecute. They tried to kill the Christians, but you know what? That ended up being the very thing that caused the church to go out and for the gospel to be spread. And so nothing can stop Jesus from building his church. Nothing can stop him building his kingdom. The gates of hell cannot prevail against it because the king is on his throne behind the curtain, amen? So when Jesus is behind the curtain, or shall we say in heaven upon the throne, nothing that happens on the stage, friends, nothing that happens in this world can ultimately harm you. Nothing that happens on this stage can ultimately thwart the purposes of God. He will build his church. He will build his kingdom. He will be Lord of all. And his kingdom work will continue through the church, no matter what happens until he comes again. So Jesus is continuing to guide us and powers from heaven. And then point number three, Jesus sends the spirit to empower the church for global mission. He sends the Spirit. So Jesus is about to go behind the curtain, but he's not going to leave his people alone. He says, do not leave Jerusalem, wait for the gift my Father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, in a few days you'll be baptized with the Spirit. And then he says, Acts 1 uh, verse eight, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. So the Holy Spirit, It's a gift promised by the Father. And then in Acts chapter two, Peter is going to preach the very first sermon of the church. And in that sermon, he says that Jesus is now exalted to the right hand of God, and he has received from the Father, the promised Holy Spirit, and he has poured out what you now see and hear. All that was happening in Pentecost. And so the Holy Spirit, it's from the Father, poured out from Jesus on the church. And the Holy Spirit, uh, is, also, is called the Spirit of God, uh, but he's also called the Spirit of Jesus, if that wasn't confusing enough for us. Uh, but he's referred to as both. And Paul can say, yes, I have died, but Christ lives in me. How is that so? By the Holy Spirit. He says Christ is in you, the hope of glory. And so even though Jesus in the flesh is behind the curtain in heaven, he sends us his Holy Spirit so that truly he is in us, And we are in him. We are one with him. We are united to him. Even though we can't see him, we are one with him. He is the head, we are the body. And so truly we can say that it is Jesus who is continuing the work of his church because through the Holy Spirit, we are one with him. And when we are one with him, when we do the deeds of the kingdom, Jesus is working through us. We are his body, we are his hands, we are his feet. And this gift of the Holy Spirit was so important that the apostles were told, don't even move, don't leave, don't do anything else until my father pours, until you receive the gift that my father promised. Jesus said that they would receive power. The Greek word dynamis for dynamite. You know, why did they need something so powerful? Well, it's because they were going to be called to a task that was far beyond their own human strength and ability. And Jesus says, this small group of you, you will be my witnesses. And you're going to carry this message of the kingdom, starting in Jerusalem, then into Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And if you want a little outline of the book of Acts, there it is right there, Acts 1:8. Many say this is Luke's thesis statement that you'll see in Acts 1 through 7 is all about Jerusalem. Acts chapters 8 through 11 is about Judea and Samaria. 12 through 28 are going to the ends of the earth, where at the last chapter we'll see the Apostle Paul in Rome, at the heart of the empire, proclaiming the gospel freely. So we are sent out. We are sent out to the ends of the earth to proclaim Jesus' Jesus's kingdom. And so this is where we get our marching orders, right? And this is what the last point I want to make about this text, is finally number four, we are now ambassadors of the king of heaven and earth. We're now his ambassadors. Jesus has given us his orders, receive power, then go be my witnesses. And then we get, in the text, we get to the ascension, that mysterious part of the story that we often kind of overlook. And in verse nine, it says, after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and the cloud hid them from their sight. Now, the cloud was... Uh, almost always a sign of God's manifest presence. You know, think about the cloud filling the tabernacle with Moses or the cloud filling Solomon's temple or the cloud at the transfiguration of Jesus. Now the cloud again is surrounding Jesus. In other words, he is going into the manifest direct presence of God. In other words, heaven behind the curtain into heaven. And so the apostles, they did not think that Jesus was now gone from them and the baton is now passed and he's out of here. No, they they said Jesus is now on the throne. He is king. And this is what Peter says in in his first sermon. He's exalted to the right hand of God, for David did not ascend to heaven, and yet he said, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. In other words, Peter is saying the meaning of all this is Jesus is now Lord, he is now Messiah, he's now King. That's the meaning. Jesus, the ascension is not Jesus is going to outer space. No, it's like someone, it's like saying a ruler has now ascended to the throne. He's taken up his position as King and Lord. You know, N.T. Wright says in the world of the first century, when someone was enthroned as King, the new authority would take effect through heralds going off into the surrounding territories, saying, we have a king. And this was always proclaimed as good news. And that's why the summary of the gospel is Jesus is Lord. Jesus is now king. Put your trust in him, surrender your life to him. And our king has given us the commission to announce this, what's known as the great commission. These words happened right before Jesus ascended to heaven. And he says, all authority. All authority in heaven and upon earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Yeah, see, Jesus was going to heaven, but he says, I'm with you you always. He's behind the curtain, but he's still with us by the power of the Spirit. And friends, this is what we are called to do to carry out this commission until he comes again. Because the disciples were wondering, they asked him in the story, right? Hey, when are you gonna finally restore the kingdom of Israel? When is the end going to come? And Jesus says, it's not for you to know the times or the dates. This is part of the father's mysterious plan. But what is for you is your task to be my witnesses until the ends of the earth. And so Jesus finally ascends in our story. And then it says they they were doing what probably any of us would be doing. Just looking up intently at the sky. And then it says, suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way you have seen him go into heaven. And I think this is kind of funny. The angels come and are like, hey, why are you guys looking into heaven? Why are you guys staring up? Like, because we just saw Jesus go up there. You know, like that was the most amazing thing we've ever seen. You know, and then we know from the gospel of Luke that they were they were worshiping him, they were praising him with joy. And they're still they're still staring up there, and the angels kind of gently say, Look, hold on, why are you just standing here? Your king has given you a commission. Your king has given you a mission to do. And yeah, the worship is great. The work the worship is important, but don't just have a worship service. You have a mission to get on with. Get on with the mission because Jesus is coming back. He is coming back. And that's the main thing that the church needs to do until he comes because he's coming back in the same way. He's coming back on the clouds and every eye will see him. And this time when he comes, the whole world will be judged before him. Every wrong will be righted and those who trust in his name will be saved. And that's why the mission is so critical. Jesus is coming. We don't know how long he will carry on. We don't know how long he will be. We don't know the times or dates. Jesus said so. We, we will never know it. But the end is coming. And your mission until that time is to be empowered by the Spirit for a global mission. John Stott says we need to hear the implied message of the of the angels. You have seen Jesus come. Uh, see, you have seen Jesus go. You will see him come. But between that going and that coming, there must be another. The Spirit must come and you must go into the world for Christ. And so the book of Acts friends, it opens with these dramatic claims that we will see play out over the next 28 weeks that Jesus is gonna continue his kingdom work through the church. He's gonna continue to guide and empower the church from heaven. He is sending the spirit upon the church for their global mission. And that we are now ambassadors of the king of heaven and earth. So brothers and sisters, please don't think of this as a baton. The baton has not been passed. Jesus is continuing his work through us. We are one with him. And so it's not up to our own power. It's not just up to what we can do, but what we can do is to we can be willing. We can be conduits for the spirit of God to flow through us, that we might be the hands and feet of Christ wherever we go, wherever he sends us. And really what's up to us is our willingness. And we've been reading in Isaiah as a church, and I I hope that we have the same mindset as Isaiah, that when he sees the vision of the Lord on the throne, and we're talking about the Lord Jesus on the throne, if we can see him on the throne, just like Isaiah saw the Lord on the throne, that we might have the same response. Here I am. Here I am. Send me. Send me. Use me. Work through me. Can that be our prayer, friends? Amen? Let's pray.